Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're in this series called Fruitful. Why? Because this is God's desire for your life and for my life. What? That we have fruit in our life and not just little fruit, but much fruit. You know, in the Greek text, it actually says mega fruit. And we've been focusing on how this is God's desire for you and I. We actually called and not only called, but created to bear fruit ever since the beginning. God told Adam and Eve, he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And I think some people just think, especially the ladies, well, that's just, you know, he just wants us to have a lot of babies. God wants us, well, what about me? How can I be fruitful? It's not just talking about multiplying in the earth in terms of having babies. He's actually talking about reproducing a lifestyle that he wants us to have. And so I, God never minces words. It's amazing. I think that he put those two words together. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Do you know that in the Hebrew, the word fruitful, that's the language of the Old Testament. The word fruitful means to show fruitfulness, to grow, to increase. Do you know that it's God's will that you increase and that you don't stay the same? I hope you are not the same person in 2018 that you were in 2015. I hope that you have grown. God wants you to grow. He wants you to increase, but he puts the word multiply. He says, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to be multiply. Multiply in the Hebrew means to enlarge, to increase. And then it's not just increased, but it's increased greatly. Say, I will increase. Come on, say it loud. I will increase. Greatly. That's God's desire, that you not be stagnant, that you be moving forward. And then when you fast forward to the New Testament, Jesus says the only way this life, this fruitful life, this life that's growing, the only way that that life is going to happen is if you're connected to me. Are you connected to me, Jesus says. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Notice where the resources come from. The resources come from the vine. The vine resources the branch. So I am, I am the recipient of whatever's coming from the vine. If Jesus is the vine, was Jesus sick? I'll try that again. That, that was a little, I guess the coffee's not as strong this morning in the lobby. Was Jesus sick? So the life that's coming from him, is it a sick, weak life? No. Was, was there weakness in Jesus? No. Was Jesus uh, strong? Yes. So what is coming from the vine? What's coming from the vine is strength. It's life. Come on, somebody. It's coming from him. So when I'm connected to that life, when I'm connected to his strength, when I'm connected to his character, fruit starts to happen. And fruit always happens from the inside out. It happens from the inside out. That's really the Christian life. A seed is put inside your heart by the Holy Spirit, right? Some people are trying to change themselves from the outside in. The Christian life and the God life is from the inside out. God does a work in us so he can do a work through us. And we need to stop trying to change ourselves from outside things and allow God to change us from the inside out. And so growth will come from your inner world into your outer world. Let's look at our theme scripture for the series. John chapter 15, verse eight. It says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear little fruit. Is that what it says? That you bear what? 
much fruit. So you will be my disciples. God gets glory. Can I say it this way? God loves it when your life bears fruit because that word glory means that he's magnified. He's honored when your life is bearing much fruit. And he says this, Jesus says, so you will be my disciples. Now, there's a difference between believers and disciples. Believers are people who believe in Jesus. They ask him to come inside their heart, and they say, you know, they're excited about going to heaven. But you know what? They can a lot of times sit on the sidelines, just wait for the rapture. When's Jesus coming back, you know? And when is the end times, Pastor Phil? When are you going to do the teaching on the end times? Because just can't wait for Jesus to come back. And I'm just going to sit here, right, and watch Netflix until Jesus comes back. But I believe, well, the Bible gives a distinct difference between just believers and disciples. Disciples are people that are following after him. They are learning. The Bible talks about disciples being people who are learning, following after him, doing what he says, that they're like, I want to grow. I want to increase. You know what? I want God to be glorified. I want my life to keep moving forward. You know, uh, they, are you following Jesus? Or are you just said a prayer and are waiting for the great escape. I, I put this in my notes. Stop focus on being a better leader and focus on being a better follower of Jesus. Dad, stop focusing on trying to be a great dad and just focus on being a better follower of Jesus. Mom, stop trying to be everything to everybody. And here's what, put all your energy into being a better follower of Jesus because here's what happens. When you're a better follower of Jesus, you're a better leader. When you're a better follower of Jesus, you're a better mom. When you're a better follower of Jesus, you're a better dad. When you're a better follower of Jesus, you're a better employee. Right, And I think we, we look at all these things that get us distracted. But how is, how's your relationship with Jesus? Are you following him? Are you just following him? I, I think sometimes we complicate things so much. And, God, and Jesus is like, just follow me. Just follow me. And Galatians, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And Jesus is making a correlation that when people see the fruit in your life, what fruit is it? Well, there's a lot of fruit, but... Um, Galatians talks about, in Galatians 5, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the fruit of the Spirit is how God operates. It's the deeds and the works of the Spirit. And so when people see these fruits, God is glorified. Well, here's the great news. When Jesus comes into your heart, he gave you his Spirit, and his Spirit, that seed, is going to bear fruit. Listen, if you allow it to. If you allow it to. And what are those fruits? Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. He says this, but the fruit, or we could say it this way, the acts, the deeds, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Can you say them with me? Come on. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. I think it's so amazing that God says, this is the way I operate. And the first one he does is he puts love. Love is the motivation for all of these other fruits of the spirit. Can I just tell you, if you have love, none of these other ones will work if you don't have love. 
because it all comes out of love. And he's a God of joy. He operates in joy. He operates in peace. Bible talks about long suffering. That means patience. And we've gone through, we've taken a Sunday. Really what I was going to do through this series is just kind of go through a couple each week. I thought, man, that's good. And then I, as I started to dive in, I'm like, wow, these are so rich. Like we, we don't really talk about these. As a matter of fact, some of us growing up in Sunday school, we just kind of went through this, but the fruit of the Spirit is life, peace, and we know it all. But we don't know how to access it. We don't know that it's actually working in our life, that we don't have to look outside to find it, to try to find the joy and the peace, that it's already inside of us. And so we've looked at love. We've looked at joy, peace, patience. And today we're going to look at probably one of my favorite is kindness. Can everybody say that today? Say kindness. Kindness. I think kindness is something that we would all love and we love to be the recipients of, but it can be something that we give the least. Oh, I love to be the recipient of kindness. I love when people are kind to me. Let me ask you a question. I wonder when we say that word kindness, what images come to your mind? When it, I think about a couple things. Now, my mom has done a lot of great things for me, but there's something every time she comes to visit, she makes her, her stellar. I'm telling you, she could be on the Food Network. They're stellar. They're amazing oatmeal chocolate chip cookies. I mean, she puts those things in the oven, and she makes us for me because she says, Phil, these are healthy. It's oatmeal. Now, I don't know if they're healthy or not, but whoo, they are sure good. But it's those little things sometimes, those little acts of kindness that people do that really make a difference. And so when you think about kindness, what, is there somebody's face that comes to your, you know, that comes to your mind? Maybe sometimes usually grandma is always associated with kindness. Everybody says, and it's funny, grandma, and then right after grandma, it's usually grandma. Oh, grandma. Grandma, and their last name is, oh, grandma's so kind. Now, maybe your grandma's not like mine where she's kind. Maybe your grandmother is mean. And so that's not the, the, the picture that you get. But I think how powerful kindness is, is that if someone is not kind to you, we really notice. And the power of kindness can be that when it is absent, it can actually not only ruin your day, but even traumatize you a little bit. I've heard people talk about a great story, like, oh, we went out for our anniversary, Phil, it was great, and we went to this great restaurant. Oh, but the waiter was so mean. I can't, and then the whole time, instead of talking about how great the anniversary was, they, they're focusing on this waiter who was not kind. Oh, they were just so mean. And what happens if we're not careful, that unkindness and that meanness that came from that waiter gets on us and then we can become unkind, right? But today I want to talk about the power of kindness and how it works in our lives. You know, um, I think that we, we can have an idea of what these fruits of the spirits, the fruit of the spirit is, but if we can really understand how they work, we can really make a difference and it can make a difference in our life. Here's what I did is I looked up in the Greek because in the New Testament, this was written in Greek and I kind of just defined kindness from that Greek word. Look at the definition. Kindness is this. Kindness is a deliberate. Everybody say that with me. Say deliberate. Deliberate. Kindness is a deliberate, benevolent act that is done for the welfare of those that are taxing your 
patience. Last week we talked about patience. Now we talked about what patience is, but sometimes how many of you know you're having patience, but there's still even people that are taxing your patience and kindness needs to kick in. Now, what we've discovered in this series is that the fruit of the spirit all work together. They all work together and kindness and goodness have to work together. And let me tell you why. Kindness needs goodness because if you don't have goodness, what is goodness? The Greek word for goodness is an upright, moral heart, upright, moral life. But watch this. Kindness needs goodness because if kindness doesn't have an upright moralness of the heart, then kindness without goodness can tolerate sin. Oh, we're just so kind. We're just, we're just, we're just so kind. But your kindness needs goodness. But listen, your goodness needs kindness. I know a lot of Christians who want the world to have this fruit of the spirit goodness. They want people to be upright, but they go about it in a judgmental way instead of a kind way. And so what that totally defeats the purpose. So kindness and goodness has to flow together. I want the world to see Jesus for who he really is. I want the world to experience God. I want the world to know there's forgiveness of their sins and there is healing for their bodies. But here is the question, how do I go about it? Kindness is the attitude of how I present my goodness. Now, I believe God wants us not only to experience kindness, but he wants us to be able to give it. And I think there's three things, and this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to give you three things that rob you of giving and experience kindness. But then I'm going to also show you three ways that kindness works and how powerful it is. But I think there's three things that can really rob us of kindness. And here's the first one. I think the first thing that really robs us of our kindness is we can be misdirected in our perspective about our problems. What, what, what do I mean by that? Many people think that other people are their problem. And I know even when I say that, you, maybe somebody came to your head. Oh yeah, I know, I know exactly who you're, you're talking about. But you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that there's an actually an unseen power at work. That your problem is actually not people. Your problem is principalities and power. And that our enemy is not people. Our enemy is the devil. And the Bible says the real fight, if we're going to keep it real, you need to keep it towards the enemy. Here's what I have found. If we're not fighting the right battles, we'll fight the wrong battles. Let me tell you, if you don't understand that our fight is against the enemy, you'll fight with your spouse because you think they're the problem. If you don't understand that the enemy is our problem, you'll fight with your husband. You'll fight with that person at work because you think that the problem is a person and actually the problem is the enemy. You know, Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 says this, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's people. But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts in wicked places or in heavenly places. So one of the things that will rob you of your kindness is not having the right perspective of who really the enemy is. Here's number two. I think this can really rob us of our kindness, of having a misapplied pain. I think it's interesting how one person can hurt you and then all of humanity has to pay for what that one person did to you. One person will make you mad 
and your whole day is thrown off. And then you go to the store. Now you're mad at this person. You're mad at that person. You're mad at people who had nothing to do with what the first person did to you. Am I the only one that's human today? All right? Let's be honest. And then I become the recipient of your pain, which I had nothing to do with. I didn't do it. I'm not the one that hurt you. I know, but I'm mad. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the one who hurt you. And it's misapplied pain that robs us of our kindness. And here's what happens. You could be mean to somebody who came to bless you. And as they came to bless you, because you're misapplying your pain, you can miss out on a blessing because you're stuck on one person. And yet now everybody has to be held hostage because of what one person did to you. Come on, don't shout me down because I'm talking about you. I understand you're mad, but you got to take it out on everybody. Mom, you got to take it out on your kids. Dad, you got to take it out on your family. Really? Because you have pain. But you know what? That's the nature of pain. That's, That's the nature of what the enemy wants to do. He wants to wound you. Why? So you can wound others. That's why hurt people hurt people. Have you ever, and this is my experience. I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm Pastor Phil. Let me just remind you. I am not a psychologist, but here's what I have found out. Usually mean people are hurt people. Let me try this side. Usually mean people are hurt people. Mean people are just hurt people. And when it comes down to kindness, here's what we need to know. Kindness is a heart issue. Now, I I prayed for you this week because I knew this message on kindness was going to be very kind. But you know, Jesus was kind and he always told the truth. But he said, I'm going to tell you the truth, but here's how the attitude of how I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you in love. I'm going to tell you the truth in love. See, when it comes down to kindness, it's really a heart issue. I'm still amazed how offended people get over the silliest things. I mean, the silliest things. Sometimes my mind is blown. I'm like, I couldn't even fathom being offended about that. Like, where did you, did you just pull that out of the air? Like, do you just want to be offended, right? But here's what happens. And here's what I've learned. Sometimes the problem isn't really even the problem. The problem is how you responded to the problem, the initial problem. Listen, somebody hurt you. I get it. They hurt you. Can I just help you? But God will heal you. He will take care of the problem. But guess what? The problem is not the problem anymore. Now the problem is you're bitter. Bitterness comes from you not allowing yourself to forgive other people. So the problem started with hurt. But guess what? You made the problem bigger by being bitter. I'm speaking in love today, right? Bitterness was your choice. Hurt was not your choice. Bitterness was your choice. I didn't choose that. Yeah, you did by not choosing to forgive. And here's what happens. Now you can't be kind because you have isolated yourself. You have shut yourself off from other people. And can I just tell you this? When you shut yourself off from other people, you imprison yourself and you're not kind. And let me go back to what I originally said. Now everybody's got to pay the price around you. Kick the cat. The cat. He was just laying there licking himself. What did the cat have to do with it? Your kids are upset. Everybody, because you're upset. 
Well, can I just give you a great word and encouragement from the Lord? Get over it. Let me try it again. Get over it. Can I tell you why? Because I'm going to be very honest with you. You can't believe that somebody had the audacity to hurt you. You can't believe it. Oh, they hurt me. I can't believe it. Yeah, but I can't believe that you have the audacity not to realize that you actually have hurt other people yourself. It's amazing how we can, oh, this person hurt me and that person. Can I just give you a create word today? You have hurt people too. And so the reality of it is, is we all need kindness and we all need our hearts to be softened because we are all imperfect. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. Now you're probably a little bit less perfect than I am because I'm the pastor, but nevertheless, just seeing if you're awake this morning. Come on, I put my pants on this morning, one foot at a time, just like you. But here's what I have found. I have found that the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you respond to the problem. Can I just tell you, you can't control how everybody's going to treat you, but you can't control to allow the fruit of the Spirit to come out of you. And see, this is the inside-out life, not the outside-in life. Oh, this person hurt me. Oh, this person hurt me. And oh, this. Ah, ah. Stop it. You have love. You have joy. You have patience. So when someone, listen, someone hurts you from the outside, let love come out from the inside. When someone is mean with you, be patient and long-suffering and peaceful with them and kind to them. But can we stop misapplying our pain to the whole world? Still here? I think these things rob us of kindness. We have a misdirected perspective People are the problem, right? We misapply our pain to everybody else. And then here's number three. I think having a misguided purpose also robs us of being kind. I did this study. I, I'm always interested in stats. I was reading a Gallup survey, and here's what they did. They polled people at their jobs. And here's what Gallup found. Most people not only hate their jobs, hate their managers. Okay? Not only, all right? Watch this. This is a stat from Gallup, secular organization, right? You're not going to find this in the Bible. This is just research. 70% of the American workers aren't engaged when it comes to their work. And I'm sure you can experience this. Have you ever called Frontier? I mean, I'm sorry. Have you ever called uh, uh, a cable network? And, and there's always, <laughs> I mean, just nobody's engaged. I, I just talked to so-and-so. Yeah, but they didn't do it. And I just talked, and they didn't do it, right? 70% of the work world is not engaged in their jobs. You know what that means? That means they feel no real connection to their jobs. And so they do the bare minimum. And I asked myself this question, could it be because we've settled for a career over a calling? Instead of saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? No, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to do what I think. I'm going to follow my dream. What God is your dream for my life? It's the old Chinese proverb that when you do what you love, it's not even like work. I know you may not believe it. You may see a little bit of sweat, so you may believe it. I'm working right now and I love it. I don't know if you get that impression. I love what I do. It's not like work to me. So I have the opposite problem because my wife had to say, you have to stop working. I love it though. I love it. I love it. But I thought, isn't it interesting 
when we talk about misguided purpose, so we're not happy at the job we're in, and here's what we do. So we misdirect our pain. Well, I hate my boss. So I just wondered, do you hate your boss because of the boss, or do you hate your boss because you don't like where you're at? You chose to work there. I didn't choose to work at Domino's. I would choose to work at Papa John's. Come on, somebody. Their pizza's just better. My Domino's is hiring. I get it, great. But they're still coming up with their formulas. But what I don't get is like, you chose this, well, it's all I got. Well, if all you got, can I just tell you, don't misdirect your pain and have the right perspective. And it's not your boss's fault that you have to work there. You need to be kind. This is what we call a Selah moment in the Bible. Take a moment, because I know this is so groundbreaking. People are like, wow, this is like amazing stuff. I've never heard stuff like this, right? And so I think about other people a lot. So now your boss has to put up with your poopy attitude because you don't like where you work. Can I just tell, can I just tell you this? If that's the case, don't tell him you come to Passion Life Church. Tell him you go to that other church down there. But you know what we do? And everything that I said, it's like we want outside forces to determine whether we are kind or not. And yet the fruit of the spirit dictates that it is the inner world that should determine the outer world. And I just bring these things up because I think we don't realize that they're robbing us of the incredible fruit, the incredible gift of kindness that God gives you. Are you glad you came to church today? And so how does it work? Yeah. If not, you can have your money back when you leave. Let me give you three ways that kindness works. Number one, kindness has the power to change a heart. This is how powerful kindness is. It has the power to change a heart. If I were to ask you, what makes Jesus so attractive to you? I bet you would say, it's his kindness. It's his kindness. I've never asked a person, what makes Jesus so attractive to you? Oh, I love that he's my judge. I love that he came to judge me. I love that. You know what makes Jesus so attractive to you? Is that he is kind to you. Even when you're not kind. And it's his kindness that changes hearts. In Titus chapter three, verse four, it says this, but when the kindness and love of our God, Savior, appeared. Everybody say that word, appeared. That word appeared in the Greek is the word epiphany. Like you ever have an epiphany, right? So here's what happens. He's saying that when the kindness, when somebody experienced the kindness, they actually had an epiphany. They had an epiphany. In other words, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, listen, verse 5, he saved us. Not because of our righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Somebody say mercy. So he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So how did the salvation happen? The salvation happened because somebody had an epiphany of the kindness of God. So when the kindness came, the result 
was salvation. Let me say it this way. When God's kindness comes to you, it changes your heart. It changes your heart. And I love that Titus, in this, in this uh, verse, he says this. He talks about the mercy. It was because of God's mercy. You know what God's mercy is? God's mercy is God's not giving you what you do deserve. That's like if I were to sit here and if I had disobeyed the law, right? And we were in ancient times and I was, I had to bow down. They were going to cut off my head. They had this huge brave heart sword and they were about to cut off my head. And the king says, don't cut off his head. He gave me mercy. He didn't give me what I did deserve for my crimes. God, through his mercy, his mercy is actually kindness that he didn't give you the death that you deserve. He actually put that death on his son, Jesus Christ, and he died in your place. That was God's kindness, that we deserved it, but God didn't give it to us. He actually put it on his son and gave us mercy. So can I ask you a question? When it comes to God's kindness to you, is his kindness to you, is it earned by you? Have you earned God's kindness? Let me ask you again, have you earned God's kindness? Well, Phil, I'm in church this morning. <laughs> think that's going to earn? Oh, he's happy that you're here. But can I just tell you, you couldn't do anything perfect enough to earn his kindness. And he gives it freely. So I have a second question. But what do people have to do for you to earn your kindness? Well, I have a standard, Pastor Phil. You know, before I'm kind, I got a standard. Okay, let's talk about standard. And usually here's the standard. If they're kind to me, outside world, I will be kind to them. And so I will live an inside-outside world depending on how the outside is. But you know what God does? God doesn't let you or anybody else determine his kindness. He is kind whether you deserve it or not. And in that kindness, that's what changes hearts. Can I hear a good amen today? And it's interesting to me that as God's people, God doesn't make us earn his kindness, yet we make people earn our kindness. God, the all-perfect, loving, holy, righteous God, gives us mercy. And yet sometimes as his people, we are the most unkind people because we want to make people earn our kindness. We want them to earn our kindness. And so it's the outside life determining the inside life. And yet the inside life is deter, should determine the outside life. Oh, Pastor Phil, well, you know, th th things will get better. <laughs> Can I just tell you, Fox News alert, Fox News alert, newsflash, things are not gonna get better. The Bible tells us that actually people are gonna get meaner. That people are gonna get meaner. You know, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter three, here's the great news, ready? Here's the great news what Paul told Timothy. He said, you should know this, that in the last days, how many of you know we're living in the last days? Jesus could come back today, even before we finish this service. He can come back, right? We are living in the last of the last days. And Paul said this, in the last days, see if we can identify with any of these, Timothy. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. Anybody experience difficult times? For people will be, 
be lover only of themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Okay, I see a parent back there raising their hand. All right, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. I think we're living in that time. Verse three, there will be unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and will have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. That's why we need the power of kindness because kindness goes countercultural to a cruel world. It goes countercultural. And can I just tell you this morning, facing evil with evil doesn't change anything. Facing evil with the same force of evil does nothing. Facing a mean person by you becoming mean does nothing. But facing evil with kindness changes the hearts of people. Can I hear a good amen? And so as we read this, man, this is Pastor Phil. This is the time that we're living in. Look how people are acting. Yeah, but look what God does in Romans chapter four, verse two to four. Romans chapter two, verse four. It says this. Look how God reacts. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that the kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Why is God kind? God is kind because he knows it's kindness that turns a person's heart. So when a person is a lover of themselves, so a person is living like 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 that we just read, you know what God knows? God knows that if I can give people kindness when they have that epiphany of who I am, that you know what? They can come to a place where they can turn around because it's his kindness that leads people to a life change. It's his kindness that leads people to a life change and repentance. We say this, kill him with kindness. This is what God does to us. Why is he kind? Because he wants to give you the opportunity to turn around. You know why? Because he loves you. You know why? Because he's patient with you. This is how he operates in our life. And the power of kindness can turn a situation around. Look at Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. I love this scripture. I was reading this this week. It says this, in order that in, in the coming ages, Ephesians chapter two, verse seven, it says in the order that in the coming ages, he might show that incomparable riches of his grace. Somebody say his grace expressed in his what? Kindness. The incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. So what is mercy? Worst mercy is when God doesn't give you what you do deserve, but here's what grace does. Grace is when God gives you what you didn't deserve. Can I just tell you, you did not deserve a holy son called Jesus, but God gave a perfect lamb for a sinful people. And so what he did is he gave us his grace. He gave us what we didn't deserve. Why? Because he's kind and he's kind. And can I tell you what kindness does? Kindness expresses the grace of God. 
Whenever we're kind to people, we're expressing the very grace of God. Can I ask you, has God been kind to you? Has God been kind to you? He's been so kind to me. The Bible says his mercies are new every day. Every day when you wake up, there's new mercies. There's new kindness of God for your life. And he's being patient with you. Why? So you can bear much fruit, so your life can grow, so you can increase. He's being patient because he believes that you're going to make the right decision. He believes that you're going to do the right thing. And he knows you need some time, so he's going to be kind with you. And can I just encourage you? Kindness is what changes a heart. Here's number two, the power of kindness and how it works. Kindness is like clothes, so it has to be put on. It has to be put on. Well, Pastor Phil, I thought you said we already have kindness. We actually do have kindness, uh, and it's already inside of us. You can be kind, but look at what Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 says. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and what? Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So here's what we need to know. Every time the Bible says to put on something, there's a scripture that says we need to put on the whole armor of God. When the Bible says that we are to put on, it's referring, listen, it's referring to making a conscious decision with your mind to walk in this. Let me give you an example. This morning, whether you got up or you did this morning or you did it last night, you were planning on coming to church last night. I picked out my clothes for the morning, so I'm ready to go. I thought about it. I planned. Some of you got up this morning, right? You thought about what am I going to wear? Some of you are like, I want to wear this shirt that has palm trees on it because I want everybody to know I'm from California. And so you dressed in your palm tree shirt. Some of you like want to make sure that you got the right jeans on that make you look thin, right? Honey, how did these jeans look on me? Right? And we plan, we think about, we look, right? How does this go with my mystique? All of these things, right? How my hair, it was a plan. Now, I know some of you look so good that it doesn't even look like you planned. And I envy you. Not everybody can look as good as Zach, all right? I don't know how you do it, Zach, but I know there's some planning, but it just looks like it happens. And God, maybe one day. Maybe one day. But we planned. You got up and clothed yourself and you planned. And when we understand that kindness is a deliberate, benevolent act, deliberate means I must plan to be kind. In other words, it means this. When I get up in the morning, I have to plan that today I am going to be kind. Today I'm going to plan to do something for somebody else. Can I tell you, this is how it works. So kindness is on the inside of, of me. Say this, say, I have kindness. Come on, say it loud. Say, I have kindness. Say one more thing. So I can be kind. Now, it's a spiritual force inside of you, but it's not just the Holy Spirit that's going to do it because God just didn't make you a spirit. Pastor Phil, I just want to be a free spirit. Blowing in the wind. No plans. I don't want to plan. Well, can I just tell you the spirit on the inside of you is a free spirit, but he's very orderly. And you have kindness on the inside of you, but God didn't just make you a free spirit. He actually gave you a mind. 
That's why he says in his word, right? Be transformed, not by the removal of your mind. Some people think that as a Christian. Well, I'm just a, I'm just a spirit. You're not just a spirit. You have a, remind, you have a mind that needs to be renewed. He didn't say be transformed by the removal. Take out your mind and just float around as a spirit. That's not, <laughs> I'm just being, you know, I've been, in, I've met a lot of Christians. I'm like, you didn't read that scripture. You thought God told you to take off your mind. No, no, he gave you your mind. He wants it to be renewed because he wants us to have wisdom and apply how to do these things. So here I have kindness. Now watch, clothing means that I get up and in my mind, I make a decision that I'm going to allow the kindness to flow out of me. So I am clothing myself in my mind, making a decision. I will walk in the spirit of kindness. That's why the Bible says, if you will walk in the spirit, that's a choice. That's not just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to you. And yet through your mind, you make a decision. I'm either going to walk in the spirit and kindness, or I'm going to walk by the flesh and be unkind. But Colossians tells us we have to get up every day and say, today I'm going to do something for somebody else. Because guess what? If you don't plan it, you probably won't. And walking in kindness, what it's going to do is it's going to get you out of walking in the flesh. You have to, <laughs> I won't ask for a show of hands. I used to preach this way when I preached to teenagers. They would tell me, oh, Phil, and I still hear it. I don't, I don't like big groups. I can't really come in the church because there's like so many people and I'm, I'm really concerned about like what they're thinking about me. And I, I, I laugh a little bit and I said, can I just tell you the human nature? Nobody's thinking about you. Everybody's thinking about themselves. It would be nice if somebody was thinking about you. Nobody's looking at you. You know what they're looking at? Like, How do I look? Nobody's thinking about you. Don't worry about it. But that's why the Christian life is so counterculture to the world because we're supposed to be thinking about other people. We're supposed to be thinking about being kind to other people. And we're supposed to be thinking about their needs, not just our needs. And here's what I found. This is how we serve people is take our eyes off ourselves and help other people. Somebody once asked me, they said, how do you get up there and talk to people? Aren't you concerned what they think about you? I said, no, because when I'm up there, I'm not thinking about me. I'm thinking about how I can serve people. I'm not thinking about how I'm sweating right now. I'm thinking about how I can serve people and me sweating. That's a byproduct of maybe you walking out of here and being kind to somebody. So it's okay. But I'm not thinking about me up here. I'm thinking about you because if I think about me, I'm like, oh my God, I'm sweating. I'm doing the wave a lot today. I don't know why, but I just am. <laughs> but if you think kindness is just going to come from your flesh, oh, I'm so kind. It doesn't work that way. Because most of the time you're preoccupied with you. Can I hear a good amen today? And so this is why Paul is telling us you're going to have to clothe yourself and you're going to have to think about walking in the spirit of kindness. So it's not just the spirit. It's you. Listen, cooperating with the spirit that's inside of you. And a lot of times in my life and in situations, I think what I think, but then I think, what would the spirit do here? 
And I, I said, I'm going to choose to think and renew my mind to what the spirit wants me to do. And in this situation, this person doesn't deserve my kindness. This person doesn't even know me and they've been mean to me. But I think about how kind has God been to me. And so I'm going to be kind because that's how the spirit would act. So kindness has to be put on like clothes. So cooperate with the spirit. And guess what? Fruit will come of your life. I think this is one of the greatest fruit. I love the fruit of kindness. I've seen people's hearts turned around through kindness. We have seen this school give us incredible favor with a lot of different things. And you know what? They have told us churches in the past have been mean to them. And I'm like, what? Churches have been mean. They don't care. They don't. And you know what? We came in with a spirit of kindness and they're saying, well, we won't let you do this. We won't let you do that. And I said, Hey, I understand you won't let us do this, but can I just ask you, how can we help you? How can we do this for you? How can we do this? How can we be kind to you? You know what? When we started being kind, they opened up doors. They gave us favor. They let us do things here that they don't let other people do. You know why? Simply because we're kind. And I'm telling you, kindness turns people's hearts, but you have to have a plan every day. Today, I'm going to be kind. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. And here's where we close with the last one. Kindness not only can turn a person's heart, we have to put it on, but number three, kindness has a ripple effect. Let me explain this real quick. You know this, not, it's not rocket science. Every seed... If I had an apple here today, that seed somebody planted, and when that, somebody planted that seed, there was an apple that was born. Within that apple, what happens is another seed. Every seed that you have, money, any love, anything that you seed has the potential to bear more fruit, watch, and more seed. This is what God was talking about, be fruitful and multiply. God knew that one disciple... One disciple. Do we have any disciples of Jesus in here today? One disciple. Watch. If you could plant a seed of kindness. This is what makes it so powerful. When you plant a seed of kindness, within that seed has the opportunity to bear fruit in someone's life. And you're going to see it in just a moment. But not only does it bear fruit in their life because you were kind to them, it has a ripple effect and that seed begins to multiply. This is what God was talking about, being fruitful and multiply, that you and I as disciples have the opportunity to start ripple effects of love and kindness in people's life. Because have you ever been the recipient of somebody's kindness? And what does it do? Have you ever been pulled up to Starbucks and somebody said, hey, you know what? Uh, I want to pay for that person behind. Have you ever done that? Let me see. How many of you have paid for somebody behind you? Let me see. Raise your hand. All right, good. Because I'm going to come behind you next time you're at Starbucks. Amen. Thanks for raising your hand. But you know what? And then what happens? Somebody gives you a kind and they're like, okay, I'm going to pay for the guy behind me. Why? Because it begins to multiply. And as disciples... This is how we make disciples is God plants the seed of kindness in us. And as a disciple, I'm kind. I plant seeds. Guess what? Then you become kind. And then that has the opportunity to be kind to someone else. That's why I love what I do. See, I know that today attendance is a little low because people are on vacation and, and God bless them. Hopefully they'll bring me back something. But listen, here's, here's, here's the thing. I honestly always look at who's in the room 
Because I know that today, whether we have 150 or 200, if we can have 100 seeds of kindness planted today, guess what? Each and every one of you have three or four people that you know that you can touch with kindness and that today that the seed that is planted is gonna go from here to your workplace, to other places, and it's gonna begin to multiply. That even today, in today's message, that if you could be kind to someone, it could be the ripple effect could cause someone to give their life to Christ because you sat here and clothed yourself with kindness and said, you know what? I'm going to stop being so selfish and thinking about me and I'm going to start being kind to people. Guess what happens? The seed is multiplied and we become fruitful and multiplied. This is what happened in Zacchaeus's life. Do you remember Zacchaeus? He was this little short guy. Jesus was coming to Jericho. And Zacchaeus got up in the tree and Zacchaeus saw Jesus and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. Here's the thing about Zacchaeus. People hated Zacchaeus. You know why they hated him? Because he was a tax collector and he stole from them. And not only did he steal from them, but Zacchaeus was rich from stealing from them. And here comes Jesus and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to come to your house. And he comes to his house and shows Zacchaeus kindness. Pastor Phil, how do you know that God, how do you know that Jesus showed Zacchaeus kindness? Because look at the effect. The effect of kindness is always salvation. Watch. The last, we pick up this, this story, the, the response from Zacchaeus, Jesus to Zacchaeus, Luke chapter 19, verse eight. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to Jesus, he said to, to Jesus, he says, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will repay back four times the amount. Watch what Jesus said to him today. What has come to your house? Salvation has come to your house because of this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save and be kind to the lost. One encounter from a sinner with Jesus not only turned his heart, but had such a ripple effect that if Jesus is kind to me, I'm going to give half of the things of my possessions to the poor and I'm going to pay back four times from anyone that I have stolen. Ladies and gentlemen, that is fruitful and multiply. Think about this. The Bible doesn't say it, but I'm going to tell you, I wonder, and maybe when we get to heaven, we will understand. I wonder how many people would be the recipient of Zacchaeus's kindness because of Jesus. Can you imagine you're at home and you hear a knock at the door and you look out the people and you're like, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody here. Man, where, where? Oh, it's Zacchaeus. You open the door and you're like, hey, well, I don't know if we should open the door. Do we owe money? We don't. Hey, man, I'm not here to take your money. But you know what? I owe you four times what I took from you. I wonder the people that were the recipient of that kindness, what the ripple effect was because of Zacchaeus's life becoming kind because he had an encounter with a kind God who loved him despite his sin. I wonder how many people gave their lives to Jesus because they said, this guy's giving me money. He used to steal from me. 
and now he's giving me four times. I wonder how many people went, Zacchaeus, what happened? Jesus came to my house. Jesus, all known, holy God came to your house. Zacchaeus, you're a crook. I know. And he showed me mercy and he showed me grace. And I want to take that grace and express it to you through kindness because God has been kind to me. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen, today as we close, you have the seed of kindness in you. And I want to tell you, God has been so kind to you. God has been so good to you. In all of your sin and all, some of you did this week, he's been so kind to you. He still loves you. And can I just tell you, we need to share that kindness with other people. Wherever there's a human being, there's an opportunity for kindness. You have the same seed of kindness that got into Zacchaeus's heart. And guess what? Your life has the same potential to bear much fruit. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.